Hey there, a quick reminder that All About Beer is back online. Visit allaboutbeer.com for news, reviews, and beer insight. And you can also follow along on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at All About Beer to keep up with us every step of the way. And if you want to help bring original journalism to the beer space, we have a Patreon that goes directly to writers, photographers, illustrators, and editors, starting at just $5 a month. And there's also a pro tier for all of you professional brewers and industry businesses out there. Visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to learn more. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall, and this week, it's a live audience recording from Highland Brewing Company in North Carolina with the brewery founder, Oscar Wong, his daughter, Leo Wong Ashburn, the brewery president and CEO, along with my good friend, John Page, who took photography for the Craft Brewery Cookbook. Our conversation was part of Asheville Beer Week, and we talk about longevity and legacy, tradition and innovation, volleyball, family dynamics, and more. And we're able to bring you this show each week, thanks to the companies that want to support journalism in the beer space. And you can help us out too. Learn more by emailing sponsor at beeredge.com or by going to patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. First up, Cigar City is a sponsor of this episode, and we're grateful for that. And Wayne Wombles is here. He's Cigar City's brewmaster, and we're talking about Florida Man, the brewery's double IPA. Wayne, welcome back. And for those who are unfamiliar with the beer, can you tell us a little bit about it and what they can expect flavor and aroma-wise? Sure. As with a lot of our Hop Forward beers, staying in the tradition of trying to maintain uh, elements that give a feel of the area where the brewery is located in Tampa, Florida, in the subtropics. Um, once again, this beer has uh, tropical expression, uh, and it's fueled by a British yeast strain that produce, produces pineapple esters, and also by a combination of several different American varieties and a single German variety. Um, so basically, uh, we use citra which has like a, a lime to grapefruit to bold orange character. Um, a Zaka, which uh, started out as a dwarf variety, actually uh, has a ripe pink guava expression. Oh, cool. El Dorado, which ranges from citrus to, uh, to, to like cherry sort of notes, uh, is another element of it. And the outlier, uh, the German variety is Mandarina Bavaria, which has a softer orange expression. So this, in culmination with the British yeast strain, creates a very tropical overall expression. I love it. Well, thank you. Uh, we're going to have more with you at the bottom of the show, but for now, I'm going to encourage everyone to visit CigarCityBrewing.com to learn more about Florida Man and all of the brewery's other beers. And today's episode is also sponsored by Stomp Stickers. Stomp is a proud member of the Brewers Association that produces a wide variety of printed brewery products, such as beer labels, keg collars, coasters, beer boxes, and much more. Stomp's website features an easy-to-use design tool, low-quantity orders, fast turnaround times, and free domestic shipping. Visit stompstickers.com and use code BEEREDGE15 for 15% off your first order. In a sign that the world is adapting to the pandemic, beer weeks are back. And last week, Asheville, one of the great beer cities in America, celebrated all of its breweries and producers. I was fortunate to spend a day in the city, capped off by a visit to Highland Brewing, which was founded in 1994 by Oscar Wong. Today, the brewery is led by his daughter, Leah Wong Ashburn. Highland put in the hard work and laid the groundwork for the scene to come. And today, it continues to make flavorful beers and welcome visitors to their expansive taproom and grounds that now feature a volleyball court. This discussion was held in the brewery's barrel room, which opened during the pandemic and hadn't seen much use. But on this night, where pints of Gaelic ale flowed and a crowd gathered to snack on bites from a local food truck, we could forget about the worries of the world for a few minutes and just enjoy some camaraderie. I'm joined in hosting duties this week by John Page. He's my longtime friend, the former managing editor of All About Beer magazine, and the photographer for the Craft Brewery Cookbook, which, by the way, is on sale now wherever books are sold. This event was billed as a book signing, but I was more eager to hear from Leah and Oscar about the brewery, its legacy and future, 
end the family dynamics. We were using handheld mics, and as it happened, sometimes people moved back and forth. So please bear with us. Here's our conversation. Oscar, I want to start with you because it's so interesting to be here in your barrel room, which opened up, I guess, amid the pandemic. But to look at the wall behind the bar and the established 1994, and to be here in 2022, You guys are great. <laughs> yes. In 1994, though, could you have imagined this? Could you have imagined where Absolutely you are? Absolutely not. All right. No, I, we could hear you. All right. Go deeper. Absolutely not. What, what did you think was going to be the pinnacle of this brewery when you opened up in 1994? My idea was... There would be two or three little breweries in town that would be the local breweries, and people come to town and ask for a national beer or one of the local beers. That was it. And I would actually have a personal watering hole. That was my dream. That was it. That's all you wanted. That's it. The idea of local, though, has come full circle where people come in now and they'll fight against the national brands for a local beer. Has the, has the definition of local changed? Uh, somewhat, but all over the country, we do have local beers everywhere. And little bergs here and there. We just heard one, Leah's husband's from Elkin, North Carolina. There's a brewery there, and they want, they'll be coming up here to talk and ask a couple questions as to what should they do and not do. So, but that's all over the country. And it's a good thing because this is America, and so you don't, you have uh, monopolies, and after a while you have ankle biters, and they grow. <laughs> I have a quick question. So who were you influenced by the most when you were getting ready to start? Um, that's a tough one because there were a few. The first one that comes to mind really is um, Ken Grossman, Sierra Nevada, for sure. Did you ever think he'd be a neighbor? <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you get a little nervous when he announced he was moving in? I mean, he did call ahead of time and say, you know, I just want to tell you we're coming there and we've decided to do it and we welcomed him. But I have to say, I really didn't expect that. We'd gotten to be the big boy in town here and then now these uh, three top flight big breweries come to town in our backyard. Scared the hell out of me and then so... Lee and I talked about it sometimes that we got to up our game. Because you can be inspired by people, but it is, and there is a camaraderie that exists in craft beer, but it is also a business at the end of the day, and it's not just the family. And, and Leah, but like, there are people who rely on you and your family for their livelihood. So, so stepping up to meet every new challenge, what's, what's that been like? It's, it was not easy, is not easy to um, feel like I'm filling Oscar Wong's shoes. I mean, that, that's not something that I can just do. And so um, it's been many years, really, and still some every day of um, how to fill the shoes, but do it in my style and to be comfortable and confident in that um, while honoring everything that he and our earlier team members did, because it was a lot. Is there a good example, because I mean, you were raised here, or you, you were a part of, eh, more or less, but this has been part of the family for a long time. And so when you joined, following in your dad's footsteps, but also trying to forge your own path, um, which I think you've done, just as an outsider, um, what were those conversations like between you two, is there, is there a, a moment where you say, okay, we're still gonna get together at the holidays and we can still be you know, father, daughter, so, but Monday through Friday, nine to five, 
stay out of my way. <laughs> We're all business. Yeah. Um, well, you, you have experienced how remarkable Oscar Wong is. You said that you had one of your favorite life conversations with I, Oscar I Wong. I did. Right? And you haven't had that many, but that one was impactful, right? Yes. So, so my uh, dad's unusual. I guess is my, my point. And so in, uh, in many ways, some of which will come out during this podcast and some will not. Um, but what has been um, both a challenge for me and a, a joyous opportunity is for dad to joyfully throw me the reins of the brewery. So, and, and tell and have him say to me, make it your own. And I was like, are you serious? Are you sure? I'm too scared to do that. I don't think I should do that. And so oh, and you repeated yourself and, um, and really meant it. So that's completely unusual for an entrepreneur, the man who birthed the brewery and grew it for so long and so well, for him to say, make it yours. How special is that for someone to do? For, for context, I'll say that the last time that I was here at this brewery was five years ago. It was January of 17. Um, I was in my first stint as editor at All About Beer, and I, my daughter was about two months away from being born, and I came to Asheville without telling anybody I was coming to Asheville, and spent a couple of days banging around, and I was in the tap room, and I ran into Oscar, and I, I, we started a conversation, uh, and you led me around and you showed me around the brewery and we started talking about fathers and daughters. And it was this very impactful conversation to me because um, you, you were talking about Leah and taking over in the next generation of the brewery and there was this very nice conversation because there's a Jersey connection between us. Uh, there's always a Jersey connection, by the way. Um, but, but we had this very nice Jersey connection where uh, you, you were talking about the first time uh, she ever had a soda at the Star Tavern in Orange, New Jersey. And it was one of these very fun, fun things. But there was also this like, leap of faith that you were taking in passing it on to the next generation. And it's only the type of trust that I think like, a father can give in these situations. And... How, how, how did you separate the business from family? Because I imagine there has to be some sort of advisors or financial people who are like, well, but there's, there's people who, who, who know and there's people who can step in as opposed to saying, well, I, I want my daughter to do this, but more importantly, your daughter wanted to do this. Well, in actual fact, I didn't see it as a business just to be a business. It was a lifestyle. Um, like I said, I thought I'd have a personal, wa personal watering hole. <laughs> and um, that's come to be true, by the way. I come in every day and I don't have to worry about things. She checks in with me once in a while and I just come in to drink. So, However, the idea is that I think I said to you at one point, you can screw it up. It's quite possible you screw it up, but you know what? Have at it. Because and then I panicked. Yeah. I had a nervous breakdown. Maybe I shouldn't <laughs> have put it that way, but anyway. <laughs> of course, um, so it's a matter of how I looked at the brewery. And it wasn't a matter of uh, having something that had to be the be all, end all, and be profitable. And, and which it needs to be to survive, but yeah. um, hell, it's my personal watering hole. What else do you want? Is it <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so curious about that. Oh, thank you. Leah, I'm curious to know when you knew that you wanted it. Okay. Uh, okay, we'll just be honest here. That's what this is about. Uh, and we're with all these lovely friends now. So I was not ready, and Dad told me I was ready. And he said, you're ready, I'm gonna tell the board. And I said, don't do that. And he said, I'm telling the board, and he did. So that's kinda how that happened. Well, the truth is she put me off for a year and a half about becoming president. And I thought, you know what, this is dragging along. 
I'm getting too old. I really need to just cool it. And her mother was on my case about, what the hell are you doing? So, um, yes, I did finally get it going. And um, I finally said, okay, October was my 75th birthday, and therefore, that's it. Then she put me off for just two more months. Said, yeah, just make it January 1st, because tax-wise, everything evens out. <laughs> so a smart financial decision. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and then I knew right away, I said, she knows her stuff. She said, don't worry about it. it. Is there an alternate universe where this didn't happen? Where this handoff didn't happen? I was always scared that the possibility that she wouldn't buy into it. And um, I would say, hey, that's supposed to be a taste. No, that's... <laughs> I feel like this is my watering hole now. Um, thank you. Sometimes the staff gets carried away, you know it? For the listening audience at home, 19 pints just hit the table. <laughs> and we're going to drink all of them, and it's going to be great. Um, anyway, where was I? Yes. No, is there, is there a universe where this didn't happen? Um, the idea that she wouldn't accept it hung in there for quite a while, and I would just say, if that were the case, it would just be a matter of time that we just kind of dress it up, put some lipstick on it, and sell it. That but, was it. But you thought about that. You, I mean, you had to, I imagine. I did, but not much, frankly. I just figured, you know what? I can convince her. But <laughs> we, we had a big plus. Her husband is a big fan of Crap. He wanted to start his own brewery at one point, so I said, I got After an ace in the hole. After you guys were married? Before we were married, okay. he, he wanted to live in Asheville, and he wanted to open his own brewery separately, not necessarily in Asheville, but he wanted to be here. He wanted to be a brewery owner. He was, you mentioned, from the Elkin area, and he was too early with that idea. But, yeah, I met him in Charlotte, and learn these things about him, and he was the one who convinced me that it was okay to take the gigantic pay cut and work for my family's business. <laughs> I called from Asheville to Charlotte, and I said, Leah, I'm gonna guess as to what things are going on in your house. I'm thinking that Brock is saying things like, so, you're not interested in taking over the family business, Highland Brewing, are you nuts? She laughed and she said, oh my God, almost word for word is the way he's talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> and then to follow up on this money situation, um, you're now here, what, 10 years, 11 years? 11 this summer. And um, she's at two thirds of what she was making 11 years ago. So it grows, so it's, there's hope. <laughs> <laughs> I love that your dad is just casually drinking a beer while he's not a care in the world. It's his watering hole. It, it, yeah, yeah. He's, he's it. never worried much. Mom and I do that in the family. So what's the worry going forward? Uh, uh, the worry going forward is um, uh, beer is changing a lot, right? Everybody in here knows that there's all these beer-adjacent weird things that are going on. And... Um, there are more people not drinking, so the NA space is really interesting. And there's consolidation in wholesale, and there's supply chain issues, and there's rising costs. Like, there's no end to the challenges. So there's lots of things to keep us up at night. I, I noticed, cause you brought up the NA space, and that's a conversation that's happening quite a bit these days. Um, you have an athletic NA on offer right now. Is, is that a space that you could see Highland getting into? Is it a space that breweries need to get into? I think uh, there, we have to have an option. Um, and sometimes, because I, I drink every day, but I don't drink a lot. And so it's got to be good. 
Um, and sometimes I don't necessarily want the alcohol because I'm playing volleyball on our volleyball courts. And I we're going to talk about that. We're not. We're, we're going to get there. Yes, we're totally going to get don't there. Don't steal the thunder. John, okay. John Page has about a four paragraph question queued up about volleyball. Perfect. No pressure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that, um, you know, having the wider breadth of you know, experimenting more about what the definition of beer is and how much alcohol it needs to have is all a good thing to do. Um, so we don't, we're not planning on doing an NA right now. I would never say never, um, but we do have our lower alcohol, 3.9% lower falls IPA, and that's what I drink when I'm at this secret place that we're going to talk about later. The secret place. You, let's talk about it now. It's not secret. It's it's a wonderful place. Uh, so it's I, been I, in the newspapers. I've it heard. Has, yeah. So I I come to the meadow often, and it's always crowded. The volleyball courts. And so I, I think the, I guess the bigger question, if we're trying to make this four paragraphs, yeah. is that, you know, you, you have created like this community here. Uh, and how do you like look at uh, the, the idea of bringing in this volleyball court when it's like something that's very personal to you, but like, how do you think, okay, people are gonna come to this if we build it. And was there any, fear about that. But I will say, every time I'm here, those courts are full. Yeah. Uh, so Brock and I, I've played a lot more in my life than my husband has, but uh, it's been my dream forever to have volleyball courts here. Just thought, what a great combination. Like, two favorite things in life. And uh, so, so Brock built them, and he built them beautifully. So they're like professional grade, these three sand volleyball courts, and they have a rinse station so you can shower Wait the sand your off yourself. Wait a minute, your built the volleyball courts? Yes. Like by has, himself? Well, no, not by himself. No, that would be many barrels of sand hand carded. Okay. But they're amazing. Like he designed them or he, designed he them supervised? And he talked to, he supervised. And he designed them because he's an engineer. Okay. And he chose the sand. I actually chose the sand. This is a great story. All I, right. I grew up playing volleyball in Charlotte. This is great radio, by the way. This is where everybody turns out, tunes out when you start talking about grades of sand. <laughs> no, but please, for everybody here, now everybody wants to know. Yes. It turns into a great story. So I went to Charlotte because I played there for so long, and my friend ran the volleyball leagues that I played in for 20 years in Charlotte. So I said, you have to help me pick the sand. We don't know how to pick sand for a volleyball court. So I went to Charlotte, and we met at a place off Central Avenue or something, and I opened my trunk, and I have bags of basically white powder in plastic bags <laughs> in my trunk that we then take out and feel with our hands. And I, Oscar, neither, you had one job for your daughter. Neither and... one of us got arrested, it was great. Yes. So what did you settle on? So I have not been out to the volleyball courts yet. Is it a court? Like, what do you, what there, do you call there it? There are three of them. Okay. I was on them for six hours yesterday. Cool. I'm not broken, which is a win. That's, that's awesome. And the, how, how did you pick the final grade of sand? Yeah, um, it was the, there was the one that was most like cocaine. It was the <laughs> finest <laughs> grain of sand. <laughs> it was the finest grain, and it's actually from spruce pine right here in North Carolina instead of anywhere in the world. And uh, it's, it's the sand that they use at the Masters. Wow. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So it's, it's right here. So that's what's on there. And then- There is a look of pride on your dad's face when you just said, your dad looked down at me for approval when you said the Masters where he's, yeah, see? Like Which is funny because he doesn't it. even play golf. Well, nobody, nobody, <laughs> nobody plays golf. Like you just kind of, you know, have fun with it. But it's, yeah. <laughs> Well, it is a true, so you're asking yes. John about the community of volleyball, and Brock and I had played a bit in Asheville and knew there was a community here. There's a city league, there's a couple courts, but there's not awesome courts. So if you build something awesome, people will come. Um, so we did the math around what leagues would be like and how much beer we might sell, and it is bigger and better than we dreamed it could be. Do you want to jump in? Well, no, I was just going to say uh, the um, no, no. <laughs> All right. So here's my question then. When I think back to 1994, which I was far too young to, to drink legally in 1994, um, it was a hard sell 
to consumers to come to drink something that wasn't Bud Miller Coors. And where we are in 2022, craft by definition is somewhere still around 13%. And it hasn't grown much in the five years since I was here the, the last time. Does volleyball and having courts, does that grow your piece of the pie by reaching out to people who hadn't been thinking about you beforehand? It, it, you need to sustain yourself at your level, presumably, for the foreseeable future. I'm gonna use the word pigeonhole, but that's not the right word, but by aligning yourself with a sport that people can relate to, that there is a rabid community behind, can that help the brewery grow its share going forward? And I think the other yeah. thing that ties into that is, you know, doing something like opening the tap room at S&W downtown, like expanding your footprint just a little bit in a place like that. Yeah, I, well, I mean, it has to offer us a path for growth, but it has to have a reason for being that really ties back to our values, our family, our beliefs, and these do. So um, we, we would not do it if that were not the case. Um, and so um, knowing that there's a community out there, yes, like giving more people um, a reason to gather and to celebrate together and to be active while they're doing that, that's how I was raised. We, always, we went to walks, we went to parks all the time. Um, so it's just, uh, it's a healthy approach to celebrating with alcohol and I think that's sort of like that bigger universe of, of um, responsible use of a fun product is, um, is a good way to go. I've, I talk about that with our staff, and um, I think that that broader use puts beer in a better place in life for all of us. I, I, I don't disagree. I'm just curious how you convince the 87% of beer drinkers that are still in that Bud Miller Coors realm to jump over here. Because you, know, you can talk to the staff, you can talk to the people who are in this room. That seems to be the hardest thing to crack that number of the people who are still buying, you know, Bushlight by the double case. Does volleyball help? Does lifestyle help? Does, you know, it, it's a challenge, I know. Yeah, it, it all helps. Um, I, it's, um, as long as it's, real to me and and real to to dad uh, my family my husband it feels good and it and i think people will enough people will join us in that i don't need everyone i don't necessarily i don't want everyone i just need enough of people that that share what we believe in to come in here and and support us whether here and the grocery store that's where we sell most of our beer yeah um and and kind of kind of get that and that's a tough trick too is to get the full story of the brewery out to the grocery store when you're one six pack of a thousand that's a whole another podcast i think this is probably a good time to transition to the the change of the look of highland brewing um talk us through a little bit of everything that went into that and yeah and, and i guess the like pipe, the piper's gone it, the last time I was here, the Piper was here. Scotty retired. And now the Piper is gone. He served us so well for 20-something years, 20-ish years, and, and that brand was perfect when we started, and it was brilliant because we're named Highland for the Scots-Irish heritage in the yeah. area. And it's not called Wong Beer because Dad's not one to call attention to himself. So... <laughs> And we had one beer called Gaelic Ale. So yeah. Highland Gaelic, that all worked with, with our Scotty mascot. Um, over time, the beer portfolio was changing um, markedly in 2015. So once that started happening and kept happening, and the brewery was more of a new team, and we had a new feel, the brand and the beer diverted. And that is not a good thing for a brand. So we needed to bring those things together. And once we did a deep dive with a great branding company, um, and learned that our, our pioneering spirit is really at our core more than Scottish, we took that on and simplified a compass with our H in the middle and that became our new brand with the mountains in the background and it's great. 
You can imagine that when she came to me and said, Dad, we got to change the logo. It's really outmoded. Sure, have at it. <laughs> I expected something, you know, evolutionary. It was revolutionary, of course. And when she finally came with the final draft, of, oh my, okay, you know what? Have at it. More in just a minute from Highland Brewing, but first, thanks to this episode's sponsors, and I hope you'll give them a closer look. Stump Stickers is a reliable resource for printed items, such as beer labels and boxes, keg collars, coasters, and more. Visit stumpstickers.com and use code BEEREDGE15 for 15% off your first order. And thanks to Cigar City Brewing for sponsoring this episode. Have you met Florida Man? It's a modern double IPA with a tropical expression from its blend of American hops, including Citra, Azaka, Eldorado, and Mandarina Bavarian. And it's balanced by delicate peach esters from a unique double IPA yeast and a dash of Canadian honey malt. Learn more about the hero of the Sunshine State by visiting CigarCityBrewing.com. And now, back to Highland Brewing and my conversation with Oscar Wong, Leah Wong Ashburn, and John Page, recorded live before an audience at the brewery's barrel room. All right. So Gaelic Ale, when you first launched, an amber ale was revolutionary. And, a, and an, we can say that, but like, there wasn't a lot of amber ales out there that, that tasted good. Well, there was Newcastle. I, I stand by my statement. Keep going. <laughs> it was a but tough sell. The Brits sell. aren't going to fight me. Come on. It, it was a tough sell. We actually roamed around town in a car with a cool, uh, little Cornelius keg in the back. <laughs> and um, we'd have little plastic cups. We'd go up to a restaurant. And we jump out and say, okay, walk in and say, we got some beer I'd like you to taste. Uh, would you care to try it? Sure. We go back to the car, get two little cups, bring back, and they'd sip and say, oh, that's not bad. We'd probably buy it. And um, that's how we marketed. Looking back on it, everything was totally legal. We didn't have the right to do what we did. The receiver shouldn't have been drinking on the job. I mean, it was really bad, but the statute of limitations. Oh, yeah, over. no, it's fine. <laughs> Nobody listens to the show anyway, so it's, you're, you're totally fine. Um, but now, all right, so you launched with that. But now, Leah, when you are ready to put a new beer out to market, it jumps through, and, the, and, the, and Katie was wonderful because she all brought us uh, your Hazy IPA, uh, Hazy Heights. So I think that's yours. Uh, yes. You don't have to drink it. Well, but I, it, no, it, I would joyfully be, drink it. It'd be bad form if you didn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's sort of be an indictment against. I think that's yours. I already I have one if that makes here. a difference. All right, so we have a bunch. All right, yeah. so for a brewery of your size, you can't be nimble like a small tap room where it's, okay, we're going to make four barrels of this and we're going to try to sell through it in the course of a month and a half. You can have the pilot system. You can do all sorts of stuff. But when you're getting ready to put something out to Kroger or to Ingalls or to wherever you're going, there needs to be, I, I don't even know how many levels that you're going to have to go through. To jump into the, high, uh, the hazy IPA game now, can you walk us through what the last, is it six months? Is it five and a half years? Like what, like, like what is it to get to the point that Hazy Heights is now the big push that you're putting out there? Yeah, uh, it was just released Friday in the tap room and um, we've been doing Hazy IPAs for much longer than folks might realize. So uh, I wish I could count the years, but I would say probably uh, 2016 or so, and we started like you were referencing, John, with a, with our pilot system, yeah. smaller brews. We did an art can series, and we sold five different ones in the tap room, only in the tap room. And we must—I mean, I can't even tell you how many we've brewed, how many we've brought to market is a is a fraction of that. 
Um, Rising Haze preceded this beer. And uh, so this, this one, though, is much more tropical, which I love. And um, five different hops and is beautiful. So there's a lot of pressure on our R&D team, team of two in the pilot room. And they're on a, a three-barrel system. And then we have the 50-barrel system. And we can do some practice rounds on the 50, but it is, it is a challenge every single day to figure out what we want to make in the pilot, what we're going to scale up, and how that gets to the market in a, in a smart timeline. Right. Because you can only make grocery store chain resets mostly in the spring once a year, but you yeah. have to present that in the fall of the prior year. So that means you have to have the beer and the packaging ready six months before it's going to hit the shelf when the trends are changing as fast as they are. And that is really hard. So it takes, um, it takes lots of coordination. Uh, no one has perfected it. Right. Because there's no crystal ball, but everybody's working on it all the time. When, what's a good, there is no crystal ball, but where do you look for forecasting trends? I, I look to my industry experts first. So um, that, and we look to our non-experts actually too. So there's a mixture of our R&D team. Uh, Shane and Giles are just so knowledgeable. They've been to way more breweries than I have. And then, uh, so they'll pick up on some things. Then we're doing, uh, Tim reads every single industry newsletter and sends us the headlines and highlights of each one because he loves doing it, thank God. And, um, and then Liza, who is our finance director, she's more of the like sour goes different kind of consumer than the rest of us. And so she, we ask for two cents from anybody who will offer it, but then we have to filter that through and find out our path forward. We do test it in the tap room too. Well, it's your local. Yeah. But it's very local. That's the problem. <laughs> and what sells in the tap room is not necessarily what's gonna sell in a grocery store. All right, so let's talk about the tap room and let's talk about aesthetics of so in the craft brewery cookbook, which ostensibly is why, you're, why, why we're here, but mostly I just wanted to hang out with, with you three. Um, you've put a lot of thought into the overall tap room and John Page shot a lot of the photography here. Yeah, yeah. a lot, a lot of the, the beer chapter openers were shot throughout Asheville, like at actual breweries. So. There are several in the book that if eagle-eyed people look through, they'll, they'll see. So when you are looking at the overall aesthetic of designing a tap room, how do you, uh, I guess, try to create a space that people are going to think, this is a beautiful place, I wanna be here, I wanna take photos of this so that other people are gonna look at that on Instagram or TikTok, which John, just showed me that he has joined and I think is amazing. Oh, I'm on TikTok now. He's on his phone yeah. right now. <laughs> and all about beer. He's yeah. TikToking this right now. No, I'm just, I, I was going to take a picture of you guys. Thanks for calling it's me out on that. It's been a long process because um, when we, early on, I don't know if anyone in the audience was here before we had the tap room, but we would gather over on the production side and we had concerts outside where the, the empty kegs are stored and then dogs started coming in the production area and it was not a good mix. Um, it's not great. Yeah, when you, I mean, nobody, you're not allowed to like raise a leg next to a fermentation vessel. So um, we, had to, we had to build a tap room. So it's been a long time. First it was because, um, hey great, people are coming and we should give them a place to gather. And then many years passed and now we have really talented people on site who are like, oh maybe we should design this space so that it is more attractive and people want to take pictures and they see the greenery in here in this barrel room, which is one that's also which in the tap Which is beautiful, room. by the way. It's beautiful in here. The plants are going crazy. I would kill a plant in a week, but we have this wonderful person, Evie, who takes care of them. So there's two of these giant planters in the tap room that are such a, such a draw for people. Uh, to come in and kind of see this live thing. So, um, so it's, a, it's a long process for us. It was not our first focus by any means. How do you square the taproom consumers versus the grocery store consumers? Still squaring? 
I, that, that is a complicated question. I don't, I don't know. I can't define the delta, but there is one for yeah. sure. And um, I mean, we get input, and input from the tap room is very valuable, but it's not the end of the story. I'm enjoying your hazy, and my mental block is I don't think of Highland as a brewery that makes a hazy. And I can't be alone in that. You're not. I, you know, any legacy brewery is known for what they first started making. And um, it's, it's a challenge every day that the talent that we have is so awesome. It's so exciting for me to hang out with our brewers um, and our quality team and our packaging team. Like everybody is so knowledgeable about their area of expertise. So we can do a whole lot more. And that's why this place is so important because when people come to the brewery, then they can experience more of the breadth of what we do really well. And in our four state area, everybody can drive here. So to, it's, it's very valuable for me to be able to connect folks that might live a few hours away, they can still drive here and have this experience and know that we do a whole lot more than Gaelic Ale. Does that translate into long-term? Uh, it does because Gaelic was 100% of what we used to make and now it's 30 something percent um, and that's, that's okay. Um, be people's tastes change and our staff has changed and our beer has changed and our brand has changed. Everything has changed. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's getting, you know, getting that message out that is the challenge and, um, but it's a fun challenge too because we've got so much to offer um, in, in beer and kind of how we present it to people with the facility that I, I love it. I'm really proud of it. I'm excited to, to share it with people. Speaking of the facility, is the eventual goal to just take over this entire space? <laughs> yes, pretty much. Um, well, we, we have a long-term tenant at the other side of the building, but there's sort of the space in between and we've had conversations with all of our lovely tenants that over, over time, it does make sense for us to, to move into more space. We take up about a little more than half of the building and we've talked about how we've got volleyball and disc golf and trails on the property. So what could we do indoors that would kind of add on to that story? Laser tag. Laser tag could be, <laughs> yes, yes. Shuffleboard. Oscar, you're on my team. I, it's just the two of us. We're gonna get, but here's the thing, right? We get canceled immediately, and then we just go to the bar and we have some beers. Uh, Oscar, when, when you look back to 93, 94, when you were getting ready to open, is there anything that you see in the current marketplace right now that has nothing to do with beer that could be the next industry that mimics craft beer? At the moment, we do have things like um, Ginger's Revenge, which is um, a ginger beer, uh, kombucha, cider. There, there are many avenues for craft. This area was actually always known for its craft, woodworking, crafts. It just, it's a very crafty area. When it comes to beer, our advantage was that we have first crack of the water on top of the hill. And I think I mentioned to Rick earlier, when you go to the flatlands and you tell them, you know, by the time you guys get the water, it's been recycled quite a few times. <laughs> and and we, we're working with our clients and we try to figure out what's next on their agenda. Yeah. At the same time, we're going to stick to what we do, and that's making beer in one form or another. I, I'm curious. We've talked a lot about how things have changed over the years, what things look like at the grocery store and how they've changed. One big change is there's hard seltzer everywhere. I walk into the grocery store. I don't see a Highland hard seltzer. So is that a thing that you all think about a lot, talk about? Is, is, that, is it just that it's not beer and it's not something that Highland will make? I would let Dad answer, but he hasn't been invited to the meetings where we've talked about this. 
Good. No, that's fine. Because <laughs> he doesn't have to worry about it. Yeah, no, so take a beat. I, uh, I, yes, we have talked about it, thought about it exhaustively. We have to. We have decided not to do it. Again, I'm, I'm not going to say, it's, it's a never say never thing, but um, we, I would like to be an expert in one area, and our area is beer. And if we can add entertainment to that, an activity that makes it healthy and fun and you know, another reason to celebrate, fantastic. But I want to stay within beer and be the best at that. So that's where we're staying. Um, beyond that, like, it's, it's fun to talk about the other stuff. Um, we, I've also seen Seltzer take a precipitous dive recently and RTDs are coming yeah. up. So they're kind of fighting against each other more than we're fighting one of them. And, and I do say fight because that grocery store space is limited and a lot of it went away. Grocery from stores aren't getting bigger. They are not. They are not. The sets are, are really hard to get into. It's such a competitive space. It's only gotten harder. And now that we've divvied up, you know, it was beer and then it was craft beer and domestic beer. And then it was, then seltzers came in. And now this RTD conversation, it's not in the grocery store yet in most states, but there's a lot of legislative uh, fervor around that. Yeah, that's that's something that I've been digging into a lot, and you're, I guess, in a way fortunate that here in North Carolina and a lot of the neighboring states, but like Virginia now, you can get them, like, if, as long as they're below a certain ABV, so, like, do you think that's coming to North Carolina? Uh, eventually, I do. Uh, so, it's like, how do we best prepare for that? And uh, so, we're, we're talking about that and thinking about it, watching trends, and... Um, at the same time, like deeper versus wide has always been dad's approach. That's how, what I've learned from a long way back. And that's why we're in four states and trying to be amazing at beer. And I think there's always going to be space for that. Four states down from nine. And do you feel like the ground is more solid beneath you because of that? Because there was a time in beer where it was how quickly can we get to all 50 or how quickly can we get to the lower 48 or the region that we're in. And, and then at some point it just seemed to shift where it was like, well, let's just do concentric circles out from where we are and try to manage that. I think that has a lot to do with how beer is accepted. Local beer is a big deal. Local wine doesn't sell. There's just a whole different vibe. So with wine, the further you are, the more treasured you are. Beer, you want it to be local and fresh. So on another topic, you talked about changing um, tastes. Yeah. We paid a lot of money for a bottling system after doing a lot of review with How'd our, that work out for you? Well, our wholesalers, our customers, our retailers, yeah, cans are coming, but they're way down the road. We fired up, and six months into it, cans take off. I feel like I had this conversation with you when I was here. It's coming back to me now. We had to scramble. You were mad. Well, it choked us for a while because... At the same time, craft beer was flatting out overall. We throw a whole bunch of millions into it, and then we really can't use it that much. Boy. Can, can for the, wait, for the record, this is when he told me I was ready to be president. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. Can I ask you that? There is something about beer in a 12-ounce bottle that a can just can't replace. Oh, 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 hi, Bob Sylvester from I, somewhere who's here. I love drinking out of glass. Yeah. I don't love drinking out of metal. I don't like drinking out of a metal Yeti cup. It doesn't matter what kind of metal it is. So it still needs to be in a glass. Yeah. But in a bottle, it's already in a glass. Um, all right. At the beginning of the conversation, uh, the question was posed to your father about role models. And he talked about Ken Grossman. Uh, just encroaching on the land down south. Um, do you do you have role models in the industry right now? Just looked at Dad. No, no, I looked at you. Do, well, I looked at Dad. Okay. So, um, 
I, uh, I draw inspiration from many, many places. I don't brew, so I have to draw inspiration from the people with whom I work every day. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Dad's really provided uh, the top line guidance for my, for my life, for my values, and um, uh, you know, what I decide is important and worth pursuing and what's not. So that's been incredibly valuable. Uh, there's a whole lot of people in the industry that are incredibly brilliant um, who I, I would like to visit and making time for that's been hard. So I w I'd like to keep doing that. I went to Ohio a couple months ago with a coworker. We had an absolute ball. Uh, went to Rheingeist and Mad oh, Tree sure. and 50 West and learned something everywhere we went. And I have a California trip. The itinerary is completely planned out. I just need to find a week on my calendar. Um, so, <laughs> so much, so much to do. And I think um, it, it might not be about having, you know, the one or two role models. I think there's, there's people to learn from and places to learn from everywhere. So I guess my, that was the setup to your brewery is a role model. What's the question? How, how do you see yourself as the head of a brewery that can help guide the next generation? Uh, um, I, I was. Your dad turned away from you on that right? one. He, like, yeah. That's, that's, He's like, you were on your own. This is my local. I'm going to go have a pint. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's I'm not saying your dad slipped me five bucks under the table to ask you that question, uh -huh. but uh, uh, but he didn't. You know, I, I'm just going to do the, the best job I can. That feels yeah. like really, a really weak answer, John. But um, right. when people come to me that come to Highland and say, hey, this place means a lot to us. Uh, we come here every week and we love what you're doing. Or, you know, we love that there's, this is a, a woman-led brewery and you have so many women on staff. Or we love that you have disc golf here and I haven't found a place to play that I can also get a great beer. Uh, that is, I don't know, uh, I guess the role modeling thing. Like, I don't know. It's okay. uncomfortable to answer no, that's, that. That's, that's fine. All right. So as we near the end of what we're doing here, whatever this is, um, on the podcast for the last year and a half or so, I've been asking people the same question. Uh, and this is a TV show that I actually know, but my wife and I, when the pandemic hit in, uh, we started rewatching The Good Place. Are you familiar with the TV show? All right. I've seen a few episodes. All right. So your dad doesn't seem to know what I'm talking about, so that's fine. And Carrie Page stopped watching it uh, after the first season because she just didn't like uh, 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 good good humor. And. Um, <laughs> Whoa. It's mean. Yeah, it's mean. very mean. It's mean. I'm going to sweep in my car tonight in your driveway. Um, all right. So on The Good Place, my wife and I started rewatching it during the pandemic, but there is a concept of a green door in the, in the last season of the show. And you can walk through a green door and be any place with anybody that you want at any point in time. And so my question is, if this conversation ended and such technology was around on this plane of existence, and we could all walk through a green door at the end of it. Where would you go? Who would you be with? And what would you be drinking? So any brewery, any pub, who would you go with? Who would you be with? And I'm going to start with John Page. I would walk through a green door into Belize, because that's a place that Carrie Page and I have been talking about going too soon and so I'll you be want honest, to save on airfare yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyone out there listening to this that you've said no one listens to yeah please give us free airfare no there's a lot of people who <laughs> listen to this show it's terrible uh and and i'll have to look into i don't i don't know if there's there's got to be breweries there. you're so bad so it's whatever local brewery is okay and, and that's Belize, where i am with you and your wife while your children are home with no, with they're with parents. me, and they're okay. running around and having a good time, and Lincoln is riding a Jaguar. <laughs> Leo Wong Ashburn, if you could walk through a green door. You're the worst. <laughs> if you could walk through a green door and be at any brewery or any pub anywhere in the world with anybody that you wanted to be with and drinking whatever you wanted to drink. Yeah, I would less industry specific but more family centric sure 
I never this met. This is your fantasy. This I never is your... met my paternal grandfather. He died before I was born. And so I don't, I don't have the full story of this guy without meeting his father. I would walk through that green door and be with my grandfather, uh, probably drinking a red stripe because dad was born and raised in Jamaica. So that's how you answer the question is what you're trying to tell me? Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair that, enough. That's that a good one. That was beautiful. And, and, a wonder, and it brings us back to fathers and daughters. Oscar, if, if, if you could top that. He's such a softie now. If After you could top that from your daughter being just beautiful about this whole thing. Um, where would you want to drink? Who would you want to drink with? And what would you want to drink? You know, <clears throat> I've been thinking about this since you started, and that's I thought why, I, that's why I, we thought I had enough last. time. Yeah, but I didn't. <laughs> hmm. Well, I've always wanted to go back to Belgium, and um, I just we walk right in and. Um, could be any of several places, you know. Cantillon, you name it, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I I think I would enjoy the hell out of it if I could get Leah with me there. Yeah. It would be because I know she enjoys good food, and good beer. It'd be fun. Second option I thought of was to go up to uh, the Nova Scotia area and um, hit the old lobster route with her mother. And just have at it. And it would be, um, I probably think Alagash. Yeah. White ale. All right. With my lobster. I, it's, a, <laughs> it's a beautiful pairing. It works out well. Oscar, thanks for doing this, and Leah, thanks for doing this, and John Page, thanks for Thank sitting you. next to me and doing this. And uh, anytime, it's, it's Asheville Beer Week, so enjoy Yay. Asheville Beer Week. But also, thanks so much for you guys to do this. Thanks everybody for sitting out here, and uh, good night. John, thank you. I have your book signed over the corner there, and after three and a half beers, I better have that little steam bun. I'm keeping that in. I'm not editing that out. That's, uh, I was trying to give us a, a, a you know. I... <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thanks so much. Yeah. My thanks again to the brewery. And a reminder that copies of the Craft Brewery Cookbook are available wherever books are sold. And don't forget, All About Beer is back online. Go to allaboutbeer.com to catch up with great content. And please keep in touch. If you have questions, comments, concerns, guest ideas, you can email me. It's John Hall, that's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at beeredge.com, or you can get with me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. Also, check out BeerEdge.com for our This Week in Rauk Beer and Defend Pilsner merch and follow along on the social medias at The Beer Edge. And of course, This Week in Rauk Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search and on Twitter and Instagram, it's at TWRaukBeer. We're able to bring in this show each week thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you'd like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to sponsor at BeerEdge.com. And speaking of that, today's episode is sponsored by Stomp Stickers. Stomp is a proud member of the Brewers Association that produces a wide variety of printed brewery products, such as beer labels, keg collars, coasters, beer boxes, and much more. Stomp's website features an easy-to-use design tool, low-quantity orders, fast turnaround times, and free domestic shipping. Visit stompstickers.com and use code BEEREDGE15 for 15% off of your first order. And as promised, I'm back with Wayne Wembles. He's the brewmaster of Cigar City Brewing, and the brewery is a sponsor of this episode, and we're thankful for that. Wayne, we're talking Florida man, and hops obviously play a big part in this style. So what combination did you settle on, and what do you think they bring to the finished beer? Okay, so John, this beer has Citra, Azaka, Eldorado, and Mandarina Bavaria. Mandarina Bavaria is the only hop that's not American. It's a German variety and it provides a softer citrus character more along like Clementine. Um, and then Citra 
falls into a similar uh, provides a similar uh, sensory characteristic. Uh, it's lime to grapefruit um, to a bolder orange expression. And then once we get into varieties like Azaka, we start going more towards um, tropical. So you get uh, pink guava, ripe pink guava, and then El Dorado provides from softer citrus to um, hard cherry candy. Thanks, Wayne. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts. And now I'm going to encourage everybody to go visit CigarCityBrewing.com to learn more about Florida Man and all of the brewery's other beers. A reminder to check out the Beer Edge podcast with Andy Crouch. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. And don't forget, go visit allaboutbeer.com and follow along on social media. As for this particular show, Mitch Weber does our music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer.